0: If you have your Bibles with you there, you'll want to turn to Genesis 29. We sent out a little flyer, uh, and just to let you know, we're speaking to you this morning on the girl that nobody wanted, that's a title that I obtained from a pastor in New York uh, named uh, Tim Keller, I haven't seen much on this. I think a quarterly I s- that I saw maybe ten or fifteen years ago had a little article on Leah, <clears throat> and then uh, Tim Keller has a sermon on Leah that's uh, entitled "The Girl Nobody Wanted," and that's about it on on Leah. But she is so crucial to Old Testament story that uh, I think she needs more publicity, and I thought it would be good just uh, Sunday before Thanksgiving for us to look at this. Uh, Genesis 29, <clears throat> let me just read one verse, which I think is a key verse, and then we'll go back and pick up the story. Uh, Genesis 29, verse 35, and she conceived again and bore a son and said, this time I will praise the Lord. So she called his name Judah, which uh, means praise or worship, and then she ceased bearing. Now this is right in the middle of the story of Jacob, uh, the son of Isaac. Sometimes God in the Old Testament is called the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob because those those are the three big figures, historical figures in the Old Testament. Uh, And Jacob, the son of Isaac, grandson of Abraham, has deceived his father uh, and stolen the birthright, the blessing promised to the firstborn. Uh, The firstborn son was to get the greatest of the financial inheritance. He was to get uh, status and position, and and, uh, land, as well as uh, spiritual leadership. And Jacob had gone in and presented himself to his blind father under the guise of the firstborn, and obtained from Jacob his father firstborn blessing. And when Esau heard about it, he determined... And made it known that he was going to kill Jacob. So Jacob ran for his life. He took off and he, he goes up this several hundred miles north to his mother's family. His mother's brother's name is Laban, so he goes to Laban. And he's never been there, but he comes out and he... First thing he sees is he's, he's looking for a well, he's looking for water, and here's the shepherdess comes with her sheep. And, and when she comes out, uh, Jacob sees her and is just smitten by her beauty. And it says, this is in Genesis 29 and verse 11, it says that Jacob kissed Rachel... When he saw her, he goes up and hugs her and kisses her and wept aloud. These loud sobs. (laughs) Uh, I don't know a lot about dating at this point, but I'm guessing that this is not the way to begin a friendship, is to go up and kiss the prospective girlfriend and break out in loud sobs. (laughs) <laughs> but he does, and maybe he's just uh, overwhelmed with uh, emotion to at last be somewhere people know him or have heard of him. Now he's so overwhelmed that he decides he's going to ask for her hand in marriage. Laban welcomes him. This is in verse fifteen, and says, "You're welcome to stay here, but you know what can I give you for?" serving and working here, and, and Jacob says, well, I'll tell you what I want. I want to marry your daughter, Rachel. Now, Laban has two daughters, and this is in verse 16 and 17. Uh, it says, Laban had two daughters, verse 16, the name of the older was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. And verse 17 says, Leah's eyes were weak. That's the English standard version, but Rachel was beautiful in form. And that word form means exactly what it says. She was just a knockout. Uh, and the King James Version says that she was beautiful and well-favored, popular. But Leah, being, her eyes were weak, uh, one... King James Version, I think, says she was tender eyed. Uh, Roman Catholic version says she was bleary eyed, which I'm not sure what that means. But whatever it means, uh, it means that it, it hampered her looks. And she was the opposite of Rachel. She was older and she was homely. Rachel was younger and beautiful and popular. And Jacob, of course, loves Rachel and says, I will serve for your daughter's hand in marriage, Rachel. They work out this agreement where he agrees to work seven years for her. Uh, Now, sometimes you would work a year. You you, you give the, the money to the father. A lot of times it's to secure the bride's future in case it didn't work out, you, she's got the money because you've you've harmed her future, and so you have this bridal price, this dowry. Uh, but he agrees to this tremendous sum of seven years of work. If you make twenty five thousand dollars a year, that's for us. That would be like one hundred twenty five thousand dollars. No, is that right? How much? Seven times 25, 150? Well, good grief. Is there no mathematician in the house? 175,000. Thank you. You could have been there earlier. (laughs) But, I mean, $175,000. So he says, I'm willing to do it. And that's if you make 25,000. If you make 50, that's $350,0. Okay, forget it. (laughs) I'm not going there. So Laban sees this opportunity, for uh, this cash cow here. So he invites this young man, man in and says, come and work. So, of course, there's that beautiful statement in verse 20. Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed to him but a few days because of the love he had. Seven years as a few days. There you go. At the end of that, he says in verse 21, Jacob said to Laban, Give me my wife that I may go into her, for my time is completed. Now think about that for just a moment. One version says, Give me my wife that I may lie with her, for I have finished the time. Is that something you would say to your prospective father-in-law? Hurry up and give me your daughter. I want to go to bed with her. Man, this guy's got it bad. And he's a little socially awkward. So Laban, it says in verse 22, Laban gathered together all the people of the place and made a feast Now the Hebrew word for feast there comes from the Hebrew word which means uh, alcoholic drink. This word is translated in Esther 5 verse 6 as a banquet of wine. He made a banquet of wine. It was a drinking party. You get all these people in and you furnish plenty of Alcohol, and when, by the time that Jacob has finished the evening out, he's tipsy. And that's probably conservative. He makes his way to his tent, and Laban substitutes Leah. It's now dark. Jacob is half drunk. And he substitutes Leah for Rachel. Jacob doesn't recognize it, and Leah evidently doesn't say anything. And it says, verse 25, in the morning, behold, it was Leah. And Jacob said to Laban, now he gets up, goes straight to Laban and says this to him, I'm sure, in a very loud voice, What have you done to me? Did I not serve you for Rachel? Why have you deceived me? And Laban says, It's not done this way. We, In our country, we give the first, the oldest first. Now this, this had to be a shouting match of sorts. And the, the sound and the arguing would have spread throughout that area. I mean, I mean throughout the, the mm-hmm. environment there where everybody could hear. And I'm sure for Leah, it was humiliating. Because everybody would jab each other in the side and say, yeah. trying to get rid of Leah and he don't want her. So, the father doesn't want her the husband doesn't want her and the loud arguing which has followed must have been the low point of her misery you feel for her and it says that it touched the heart of God because in verse 31 the Lord saw that Leah was hated, and he opened her womb. He gave her children. And um, uh, he agreed to serve another seven years for Rachel, so that would be seven years for each daughter. So now he's got to work another seven years, and I'm sure that that's he's angry and he's bitter, and which led to even more rejection. But she does have a child. God gave her a child. And verse 32 says, She conceived and bore a son and called his name Reuben. For she said, because the Lord has looked on my affliction, for now my husband will love me. She thinks that having a child will cause the husband to love her. Reuben means to see. She says, God has seen this situation. And now my husband will love me. But... He didn't. So verse 33 says, She conceived again and bore a son. Because the Lord has heard that I am hated. So, hated or uh, heard means uh, the Hebrew word for Simeon. So, she named him Simeon. Heard. God has heard about my situation. And it says, uh, He heard that I am hated. Man, what a terrible conclusion to draw. Concerning one's life, one's marriage, he's given me this son also, so he called him Simeon, that is, heard about it. And in verse 34, she conceived and bore another son. This time my husband will be attached to me, affectionate for me, because I've borne him three sons, and she named him Levi. You know, it occurs to me that for this guy to hate her a lot, as it is evidently stated here, she... He is sure making a lot of trips to her tent at night. Or somebody is. (laughs) Because she's had three sons. But none of them produce an affection in Jacob's heart for Leah. Therefore, you come to our text in verse 35, that she conceived again and bore a son and said this time or now I'm going to praise the Lord. I'm just going to worship. Somewhere in there between that third son and the fourth son Judah, whose name means praise, she named him worship because she had evidently discovered something uh, in her life that was the solution to her emptiness. And she said, I have come to the place now where this time I'm not going to have an expectation of what this blessing will do for me. I am just going to worship, period. I'm going to praise. I'm going to thank God. I'm going to give Him my praise and worship. And so it says that she named him Judah, which means praise. the The word Jude is a Hebrew word from which means the hand, and it comes from the word, from the idea of that you raise your hands in worship. You're reaching out your hand. You're reaching out to God in worship. And so she named him Judah, uh, which typified where she was in life. She had come to the place where she was going to cease pursuing her husband for satisfaction and identity and happiness, and she's just going to worship. And I think it's interesting that the next statement is this, therefore she called his name Judah, then she ceased bearing. See, maybe Jacob wasn't pursuing her. Maybe she was pursuing him. And that's why she was getting pregnant so often is because she was trying to get his affection and attention and give him pleasure and uh, and love because really she's giving him love so he will give her love. And she says, you know what? I'm going to get my love from the God of heaven who loves me. I'm not going to try to manufacture love where it's not. I'm going to become a recipient of love from whence it flows. Why why get it out of a bucket when you can get it right out of the fountain? And so she begins to become a worshiper. Now later she does have more children. But this is a transition point for Leah. And, and so she names him Judah. In Isaiah 43, 21, the Jewish people are described as those he formed for himself and created for his praise, his worship. Later, when Jacob and Leah and Rachel decide as a family they're going to leave Laban and go back to Jacob's family, there's an interesting little event uh, in chapter 31 and verse 19 that says Laban had gone to shear his sheep, and just before they left to go back to Jacob's family, it says that Jacob or uh, Rachel stole her father's household gods. That's in chapter 31:19. The beautiful girl was an idolater. It also says, it it points it out again in chapter 31 and verse 32, Jacob did not know that Rachel had stolen them. It does not say Leah stole them, or that Rachel and Leah stole them. It just says Rachel stole them. Leah had come to know the Lord. She had come to be a worshiper of God. She did not need the idols. And so this is what you have in this little episode of Rachel. She, uh, Rachel and Leah, is that this is a transition point for Leah where she finds God as her all in all. She had known of Him faintly, known of Him through Jacob, known of Him through uh, testimonies of others, but she comes to know Him and find in Him her everything. The, there's a tremendous beauty here, In worship, because you know what, if I said, what does Jacob want? You would have said, you'd say it, I think accurately, you'd say, he wants Rachel. And if I said, what does Rachel want? Look at chapter 30, verse 1. Rachel saw she bore Jacob no children, and she envied Leah. She envied her sister, and said to Jacob, give me children or I shall die. What does Rachel want? She wants children. But what does Leah want? She wants Jacob. So get this crazy mix here. Jacob wants Rachel, Rachel wants children, and Leah has children, but Leah wants Jacob. Does anybody in this story want what they have Nobody wants what they have. They all have something somebody else wants. It's like everything that you have, you don't want what you have. You want what they have. But they have it, and they don't want what they have. They want what you have. It's like they're all nuts. What happens to Leah in chapter 29, verse 35, is this. She says, this time I'm going to worship. I'm going to unplug from this society of discontent. Say, God, I love you. You are enough. If nothing changes, I intend to be happy in you. That's worship. I'm not going to derive my contentment from what I do not have and may never have. And so that's what thanksgiving is. It is unplugging from this environment of discontent and finding in God our all in all. That is what worship is. Hebrews 13.5 gives us an interesting statement that I'm not sure that I've got it figured out, but it says something like this. Hebrews 13.5 Keep your life free from the love of money. Be content with what you have, for he said, I will never leave you or forsake you. Now, he doesn't say, because I'll give you money. He doesn't say, because I'll give you what you don't have. He says, no, be content with what you have. Why? Because I won't ever leave you. (laughs) It's like... Okay, but what does that have to do with what I don't have? And what God is saying there, it seems to me, if I understand it right, is that I, I, my presence, my spirit, the joy that I will bring by my power will more than suffice for the areas of things that you do not have. You are not diminished because of what you don't have. You are diminished because of who you don't have. And that is the presence of God. The most satisfying love, and I think this is what Leah discovered, the most satisfying love flows from the love of God to us. One writer, he's an atheist, Ernest Becker, and I got this from Tim Keller, he says, we look for transcendence we look for someone who can lift us out of our unfulfilled life. We look for romance. We look to be rescued from insignificance so that our story is not in vain. In short, we are looking for redemption. We will never find it outside of the Lord. I added that. C.S. Lewis, in his book on mere Christianity, um C.S. Lewis has this approach to uh, desire, which I think I agree with this. He says that when God made us in our humanity, he he doesn't every every desire you have is rooted in legitimacy um, and has a satisfaction. For example, we would say sex. And you say but I'm attracted to some other man's wife well that's illegitimate sex but the sexual desire itself it can go it can get out of bounds but the sexual desire itself is legitimate you just have to put a lid on some of the areas of our desires so what cs lewis says is whether it's sex or food or people or ambitions or whatever it is he says every desire has a legitimate fulfillment or else, because that's the way God made us. And, and uh, one of our desires and that he points to is that uh, we would have a desire to be happy. And therefore, C.S. Lewis says, there is a satisfaction to that. If you have the desire, God has that fulfillment. and But here's what he says. He says, if I find in myself a desire that no experience in the world can satisfy, then the most probable explanation would be that the solution, since God gives a solution to every desire, he said, then the solution then must lie in another world, outside this one. Every desire, every passion. Has its fulfillment. But it doesn't necessarily have it in the plane or the realm, the dimension of things you can see and touch. But their desires that are unfulfilled until they are connected to the realm of the spiritual. And that's what he calls us to. That's what Leah discovered, and that's what worship does. That's what thanksgiving does. That's what praise does. Let me just give you three quick things that that worship does and thanksgiving and praise does that we find in the life of Leah. First of all, it brings a certain happiness. That's why it says that she ceased from bearing. Now she doesn't need that. One of the things that we do with with people when they have addictions is we say, stop doing that. You have to stop doing that. Quit doing that. But rather, what we have to do is, the biblical solution is, this here in the gospel is highly preferable to that. This is more enjoyable. Pursue happiness in God until it is the greatest, most passionate thing that you've experienced. So the first thing that Leah found was the deepest joy and desire for joy was satisfied. The second thing was that that she became a kind of person that evidently Jacob really respected. Uh, Proverbs 31 talks about the virtuous woman, it says strength and dignity are her clothing. Um, You know, beauty is deceptive and and vain, but a woman who fears the Lord will be praised. And I think that's what happened with Leah. Rachel was an idolater. Um, And look over at uh, Genesis 49. This is when Jacob is dying. In Genesis forty nine, and and now he's both uh, Rachel has died and Leah has died, and now Jacob is down in Egypt with his twelve sons from Rachel and Leah, and and he's dying, and he's saying, Joseph, I want you to take me back. Should get me out of Egypt, take me back to the land of Canaan. And here's what Genesis 49 says in verse 30. He says, uh, well, verse 29, He commanded them and said, I am to be gathered to my people, so bury me with my fathers in the cave in the field of the Hittite uh, that Abraham had bought, verse 30, as a burying place. Verse 31, There they buried Abraham and Sarah, There they buried Isaac and Rebecca. That's his father and mother. And there I buried Leah. Hello? Wait, Leah? This is the family burial plot Abraham and Sarah and uh, Isaac and Rebecca. And you buried Leah there? I thought you hated Leah. I thought you loved Rachel. But in Genesis 49, verse 31, it says he buried Leah in the family burial plot with his grandfather, grandmother, father, mother. He's put her there and he says, now I'm going to die. You bury me next to Leah. Wow. Now it took a few years. But somewhere in there Jacob saw in Leah the wife that's the person. How did Leah become that? How did he become how did she become the woman Jacob really had always wanted? She wasn't an idolater. She worshipped God. There is nothing quite as beautiful as a holy woman who loves the Lord. And I don't care if you do have weak eyes. Wear big thick glasses. I don't know. But when you seek A woman who loves God, you'll have a beauty that will outlast her youth. And so she, this there's this different, this deep kind, this strength and dignity that. By the way, where did he bury Rachel? He buried her, I think it was in Bethlehem. They were going somewhere. He buried her on the way. They were headed somewhere. Oh, Rachel has died, so we... All right, well, let's bury her over the side the road. <laughs> it's weird, man. And then a third thing that worship does, it not only gives you deep happiness, true worship, but it gives you a different kind of beauty. But third, it gives, brings blessings on the future. Worship does something. Now, remember that Leah has already begun to worship. That's why she names her son Judah. She didn't just start. Right in there somewhere, she had begun to worship. That's why she names him Judah. Worship or praise. And she names him praise because she's already begun to praise. And here's the thing that that I, I, I want to leave you with. the the idea I want to leave you with is that when God began to bless the people of Israel, it was through Judah that God raised up David. Solomon, the wisest king. And ultimately, into the New Testament, you have the descendant, the Messiah, Jesus Christ who is from Judah, who was born and named in the fires of praise where a woman had discovered that God is her all in all. And then she ceased bearing from Jacob. The future belongs to the worshiper. in him we found our hope we found our peace the one in the one who loves me